Hi guys, welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Don't forget to subscribe and press the like button of the show and tell your friends that because we have got so many fantastic guests here who are like me on a mission to make this world a better place and one interview at a time. And don't, don't, don't miss it out. These are gorgeous people. And today is no exception. I've got Brenda Miller with me. Brenda Miller has got a superpower. She is a woman who hates stress. And she is it's like me. I'm I'm sometimes like the stress bunny and then ah, crazy, 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 crazy. And you're just reacting to your environment rather than acting purposefully. Would it not be nice to have a switch somewhere a button make and say, stop, stop, reset? Mm-hmm. So she is a woman who actually has learned how to instantly evolve out of stress. And that is a superpower I want to know about. That is what I want to learn about today. So Brenda, welcome to my show. Thank you so much for having me on, Stefan. I'm so delighted to be here. I just wanted to say that I just loved your book, um, especially your passion and commitment to helping others. I share that for sure. Oh, thank you. And that is that is what we do, isn't it? Once we have gone through darkness and once we have gone through through hard times ourselves, we transform and we we bring purpose and, and we make sense out of our suffering and come to a point where we say, hey, we might as well share that with others. Why have I gone through all that rubbish? And and now just <laughs> just to sit there? Nah. So no, no, no. So I think the two peas in a pot here. Um, so Brenda, tell me more. Did you as a little child one day wake up and think, I know, mommy, I want to become an author. I want to write the kit code and I will tell people to instantly evolve out of stress. That's cool. What do you think? Said no child ever. Um, how, was your ch- <laughs> how was your childhood? Was joy natural for you? No, it, it certainly wasn't. I was I spent some of my formative years hiding in a cupboard from people who could do no differently than they did. And that turned out to be a really remarkable blessing because as I got older, I went out into the world so stressed. I even bought a golf counter one day. You know, one of those things that you click uh-huh. every time you swing a club. Well, I'm not a golfer, uh, but I bought this golf counter to count how many times in a day I was stressed. And by noon, I threw it away because I clicked it so many times. It just stressed me out. And then I must say that I went on to have some quite unusual experiences. One of them was that someone I love attempted suicide twice, once in front of me. He was addicted. And in the end, when we were in the hospital, him getting sewn up, wrists to elbows, the horror that I felt, Stefan, the fear the terror, I should say, Uh, it all fell away and everything that wasn't important left me. And I only spoke to him from a place of love. And I wondered after, what happened to me? Where did all my judgments go? Where did all my advice go? Like, how, how could I only speak to another human being from that place? And that sort of sent me out into the world to discover if there was a way that I could Um, With a little bit of elbow grease and willpower, could I change any trauma, even that serious, or just somebody cutting me off on the freeway, 
anything. Could I change anything willfully to that peace that I experienced? Because you know what I really, uh, what really, it hit me like a lightning bolt. In fact, I start. I lost my belly laugh. So I started watching kids because they had theirs. And I wondered, could I get mine back? And what I noticed about them, Stefan, was, you know, you know how kids are like they play in the sandbox. They're inclusive. They don't care what your skin color is. They don't care what kind of car you drive. They are just naturally inclusive, creative. They can play with a stick and rocks and a cardboard box for hours. And I realized, wow, that's their nature. I had just lost mine. It's our nature, too. And how I can prove that to myself is that. Every time I'm in one of these states, like if I'm belly laughing or joyful for no reason, if I'm harmless, all of those states, they feel so natural to me. When I'm out of those states, like any negative state whatsoever, I never feel natural. And that's how I began to prove to myself that, wow, I'm in an unnatural state when I'm upset. Although, you know, I I mean, it, it does arise. I can't change that. But when it does arise, I can change it. So interesting uh, way may I stop? May I stop you out. there? When was that? In when were you witness of that? Of that? That sad about, and, and and nasty incident. Yeah, that was about twenty some years ago, and so it set me out on a path to find out. I I taught conscious conflict resolution in six countries, trying to learn more about what conflict is and what pain is, and I really wanted to see if I could help solve some of the human suffering. So you never made it to the Ukraine and Russia, I see. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> I get, there's a lot of places I never made it. <laughs> yeah, true. About half of the world, I think, uh, is needs you at the moment and needs that that uh, that need to rediscover oneself. Uh, and wow, uh, conflict resolution. I mean, that's not something that you grow into and think, you know, tomorrow I'll do a seminar on conflict resolution. Uh, what was your journey? How did you, you get into that from that emergency department and hospital visit to you becoming a speaker? That is a journey in its own right. How did you go about that? Because many people have got this idea, oh, I want to help others based upon uh, what I have experienced, but they have no idea where to start. How did it, how did the journey happen for you? It happened because I was so stressed out with all those events that happened. And I've only mentioned a few of the traumas. I have a list of 32 of them. And uh, every one of them, I worked until I brought myself into peace with them. But I also knew that I wanted to travel around the world and see what I could learn about this stress and about conflict. And what I really learned was that um, conflict and stress is the same all over the world. We want what we want, and when we don't get it, well, it obscures our humanity. So I was just determined to do everything I could. I also studied the work like a starving child of people like Eckhart Tolle, uh, Byron Katie. Those are people on the planet who don't have stress the way we do, Stefan. So I had to learn everything I could because, you know, I was spending part of my life in a cupboard as a, as a kid, a dark cupboard, scared. And, uh, you know, then things got worse. And so though, that's great because, as you know, we, we hit rock bottom before we, we, we find our way. Interesting thing, of course, is that many, many, if not all of our core beliefs are laid down at a very, very early stage. 
and we are talking basically you know anywhere from four to seven or if not earlier um if you spent that time in a cupboard and witnessed conflict outside of the cupboard then maybe that is really where the journey should start are you are you willing and happy to share a little bit more from that time the, those people um you know they have as many as much good in them as they had um belief systems that made them act the way they did they couldn't have done it differently because of their belief systems neither can we and um i oh, I, I can honestly say i love each one of them and the reason is because th th it made me dig so deep inside myself and I was so surprised to find what I did. And that is the thing, isn't it? No parent ever wakes up one day and says, hey, I really want to stuff up my kid today. No, there's this parents and other, other people in our life, they do what they do because at that moment in time, it is logical for them and they think that is the best way forward based upon their own belief systems, however right or wrong they were. And I think that is something that we sometimes forget, that is so easy to forget because by forgetting and not even considering that, therefore you can make someone else not the scapegoat, but the baddie. So it, it makes it so much easier to polarize into good and bad rather than accepting that we are all nasty pieces of work in there <laughs> if we don't do the work to actually yeah. explore that i'm a very angry man i'm a very, i can be extremely resentful um and especially so if i'm hungry angry lonely tired um then that bastard comes out and he's not a nice dude <laughs> yeah. he is not a nice guy so i try to keep him not locked away. Well, as yes, I do. Yes, I want to keep him locked away. But when he comes out, when he finds a way to pick the lock, then I say, oh, hello. Um, nice to see you. I'm surprised to see you. So tell me, what is the message you want to give me? Because there is a message there, typically the message that I didn't look after myself, that I did burn a candle and on, on all ends and in, in the oh. middle. Uh, <laughs> so I see those anger and resentments as, as messages nowadays from my body. And that helps me 90%, 95% to get on top of it. There are still spectacular failures <laughs> where I blow <laughs> my lid <laughs> and God. Well, yeah. You know, I've never met anybody well, with a few exceptions, who aren't a work in progress. I mean, we're, we're all doing this work or we're not doing it. Those are the two states. True. Very true. You either work on your recovery or you work on your relapse if you're an addict. And the same applies in mental health system. You just or mental health problems with depression. Either you work on you getting better, you work on you getting worse. Um, there's only two ways. I love the way you look at things. My so goodness. another thing that that I that I learned was that stress is optional. And I just love to prove that outrageous statement to people by having them prove it to themselves by using one of the strategies. So you've just said one yourself, Stefan, really, um, what message do you have for me, Anger? You know, that's brilliant. And the ones I want to share, I hope will help your listeners uh, every time they have stress. And I'm you can dissolve it in 30 seconds, and I'd love to show you how. I'm ready. 
I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Do you want me to get myself into a state of something? Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I, I would just love you to comment on these. So I'm making this outrageous claim that stress is optional and also that it's not normal unless we're running out of uh, the way of a bus and that we've come to believe it's normal. But what's really normal is our joyfully harmless human being state. So the 30 seconds, the first one I'd love to share is, so one day when uh, my dad was, I think, 97, and we were chasing a cow in that was sick. It needed a shot of penicillin. And so we got, we separated a couple of them from the herd and got them into corral. And this cow was mad. It was pawing the ground and bawling and shaking its head at us. And dad and I looked at each other and thought, nope, we're getting out of this corral. So dad says to me, you drive the truck like a horse, use it as a horse and get this poor old cow up into the chute so I can give her a shot and help her pneumonia. And so I put a dent in it when I drove it in there because, you know, truck is big, corral is small. And um, when I apologized and told him, and showed him, he held his arms wide open to me and said, it doesn't matter a particle. And on that day, I learned how to give myself and others grace, not grief when a mistake is made. And there is magic in the message. You matter more than the mistake. So I took that out into the world with me and started practicing it and realized, oh my goodness, like I, I would run over the curb with my car, you know, and bump, bump, bump. And then I'd feel bad about, oh, I'm, you know, ruining the rims and all that. And then I would go, just a minute, that was just a mistake. I matter more than that mistake. And when I would feel the truth of that statement, that's the key, say and feel the truth of the statement. All the stress dissolved, that took less than 30 seconds. <laughs> so, <laughs> of course, there's a part two to this blessing mistakes which is uh, making it right. Because uh, I, I love to invite people to notice how they feel if they defend or ignore a mistake versus, wow, I made a mistake. Um, I matter more than this mistake. And I'm sorry for the mistake if it caused you trouble. And how can I make it right? That is so much easier. And there's no, no stress in that versus denying or ignoring. It's but we're really caught up on, I'm bad if I make a mistake. And I'm really bad if I apologize to you if I made a mistake, because it proves I made a mistake and that proves I'm bad. <laughs> so true. So yeah. true. So, so how I uh, encourage people to use this is, like even right now, if your listeners would love to, to see how this works for them, think of someone who made a mistake recently and you started feeling the stress from the mistake. And now you say and feel the truth of it, they, that human being actually does matter more than the mistake. What that does is dissolve your stress around the other person's mistake because the mistake is done. And also, how many mistakes do we actually make in a day? I still make quite a few. Oh, yeah. So if they're a natural part of our human existence, there is no need to have stress around them there is a need to make sure we dissolve our stress because stress, as we know, we all know this, it's toxic to the body. It's fractures relationships. We all know all the stats on stress. So, you know, the way I recommend people use this is 
if, you know, think about somebody who just won't cooperate or somebody who's making lots of demands or somebody needs more than you can give. You just silently say to yourself about that person, they do, they matter more than the mistake. It takes 30 seconds to dissolve your own stress. So I, I love to tell people, put up signs in your house for love's sake, bless the mistake. Don't cause a fight, make it right. Things like that. Just to remind yourself to give yourself a break, especially when we as addicts, if we have a relapse or if we're, we're just playing cranky, whatever it is. Remember I said earlier that I, I realized that our true nature, our, you know, our natural way to be in the world and how we know it's true is to be joyfully harmless and playful and creative because when we're in those states, we don't feel like anything's wrong. Now, that's I'm not saying that we can be like that all the time. Of course not. But we do know that we feel really good in those states and we're always working towards our own well-being. And that's those states. If you've got that, you've got a magic wand. If you can dissolve and self-regulate, you do have a magic wand. And that's what my work is really about. So that's the first strategy. I highly recommend that... You try it out several times on yourself. When you make a mistake, you say, I matter more than the mistake and feel it. And feel the truth of that because it's feeling the truth of it dissolves it. Beautiful. It's actually a bit, bit spooky and a bit strange because that's the, the my first children's book, uh, Esme, the Mindful Mouse. And the, the, the mindful mouse is essentially the the fact that Esme is a very vivacious and, and bouncy bouncy little mouse that lives in the forest, and she is l running around and doing things, and often enough makes mistakes, and <laughs> then yeah. her friends can get angry, and she is suddenly oh my god they're angry with me I'm a bad mouse. And uh, Catherine the Caterpillar, this magical being, appears and says, no, you're not a bad mouse. You just have done something that has upset your friends. So you are gorgeous. So go on your way, but just be more mindful and, and about that. And so that is how Esme learns that she is all right. And then at the end of the day, when she has made several of these mistakes, she meets up with her friends and her friends give her a big hug and say, no, we love you. And they remind her about all the good things that she has done and uh, where she has helped her friends. And that that is far more important than the little things that had occurred. So this is spooky, the way how you expressed it in grown-up terms, what I put into the book there. So we are both so thinking alike. It is beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, that's, that's so nice, <laughs> Stefan. That's wonderful. So Esme the Mouse reminds me of a South African philosophy called uh, Ubuntu. And it's like restorative justice. And I love to use it anytime we can with our colleagues in meetings. Um, and it goes like this. So the, the philosophy is to maintain the dignity and respect of everyone involved in a uh, injustice or conflict. And so it's um, what they do in South Africa is take uh, the perpetrator, we'll call it the wrongdoer, the one who made the mistake, and they put them in the center. The village surrounds them for two days. The villagers tell them all the good things about them. So wow. well, I know one, one of the uh, one of the most remarkable things about this, so I, ha I also have a children's book and it's called Tusky's Travels. And when they're in 
um, Paris, well, Tusky's a little bit clumsy, so he knocks over the Eiffel Tower. And Oops. he says, I matter more than this mistake, bless me. And the crew looks on in horror, you can't bless yourself, well, you just knocked over a famous tower. And so he takes the time to explain the blessing mistake strategy. And then he lifts his trunk, and he calls all the elephants in the Paris Zoo to make it right. That's kind of like restorative justice or uh, ask me the mouse, because in the end, they all hug him. They love him and realize, of course, he matters so much more than the mistake. It's just like ask me the mouse. Beautiful, beautiful. And it is, oh, God, if we could just if we could just teach that to our children at a, at a young age. So then then maybe some of the conflict that inevitably results later from poor reactions and and just uneducated running a running berserk and amok of of <laughs> negative emotions yes. my goodness if we could stop well, and we don't think we can self-regulate out of those do we no and often enough when you are there i mean having been in such situations it is it's not for nothing that we say that there's a red hot hair red hot wave coming over you that engulfs you it's like a tsunami and that is true it can be a tsunami man have i been angry in my life uh, but at the same token many of these tsunamis are actually not real tsunamis they are big waves and you can choose either to be upset about that wave or just surf it swim with it play in the wave um because you know that wave will come and it will go that is just oh. as much as it is as it is in the ocean. There is, you know, you can be upset about that wave. The wave doesn't care, it just comes. And it's the same <laughs> with the neurochemicals. They are there. So don't get upset about them um, or accept them for what they are. They're often messengers that, that something is wrong with you, that you maybe just need to ground yourself again and that you actually need to say, look, whatever happens now, I, I need a break. Uh, and you take one, take actually a break, do a bit of, of drink some water, have some food, something healthy and yummy, and then um, actually uh, just meditate or just give yourself some breathing exercises or whatever you do to actually just reset yourself. And that's so powerful. Yes. So yeah. doing it this way around. So, so you, keep going, keep going, Brenda. You, you're so okay. right. We are, our well, messages and our experiences are so alike. Yes, I just love, Stefan, the, um, the, you can ride that wave. And that, that's my next topic is taming tempers. Oh, so, nice. Um, if we're having one, I, I just absolutely love this one. I use this one all the time. Imagine a dunce cap on your head. A dance cap. Why? What is a dance cap? <laughs> Only if you're upset. Imagine one. Because I started studying myself when I was angry. Uh -huh. And the first thing, Stefan, I noticed was my thoughts were like a dunce. Then my words were like a dunce. And then my actions were like a dunce. And I watched myself for a long time before I was able to understand that, wow, as soon as I have a big emotion, I become irrational or I uh, at least confused uh -huh. and definitely not coherent. So I made myself a dunce cap and a, a couple of months ago, I was mad for one minute and I glanced into my office and 
there was my dunce cap sitting on my office desk. <laughs> I just, that was it. The ridiculousness of realizing, wow, I'm just acting like a dunce here. The anger dissolved. Why? Because it's not in our nature, even as strong as it feels. But, and you know, another one I really like, and I use this one still too, is uh, it's a Canadian teacher who, who shared this with us. Uh, you put a note in your pocket and it says, I don't need my raging story anymore. And you pull that out every single time you feel the anger start to rise. You know, because you can't, you can't put a lid on lava usually, except sometimes we can. So the, I love this. This also was one for me that really dissolved a lot of anger. And another one is, I also use this one, believe it or not, the ridiculousness of it dissolves the anger. Uh, so I'll feel the anger start to rise. I run to my closet and I stick my head in between my clothes. Why? Because as soon as I do something ridiculous like that, the anger, because it's not in my nature, starts to dissolve. And I see, oh, there it is again. But, you know, when you said ride the wave, that's just so great because an advanced, in my opinion, and my own experience, you know, working with this for 20 some years, is that it takes an advanced human being to actually let the anger roll through them so what I recommend to go to the bathroom, put the toilet seat down and sit there and let it roll through you. That's roll it because it cannot last. But if you act out of it, you will feel worse. And this is about your well-being. So we want you to go to the toilet, put the seat down and just feel it all the way. So And, some, and sometimes that is exactly what you need to do rather than actually trying to shorten it or to to somehow numb it or somehow deal with it with a quick fix. No, you need to actually experience it and feel it for what it is. Every single aspect of it, the tingling on your skin, the, the, uh, your, the, your posture, your, your, your thoughts, the way your eyes squint, everything, experience it and actually see the physiological change that is happening there. You can watch yourself. If you have got a mirror, just look at yourself. And yes. then, and that's quite interesting. So therefore, if that is the stance that you need to make to be really angry. Oh, so how about you now on purpose? You've experienced that stance a bit. And then you change your stance. For example, you could stand straight up and look up into the air. Oh, Push your shoulders back and then swing your arms and put both of your fingers in your nostril and look into the mirror. And then tell me if you can still be angry. That, I want you to be angry, really angry. Somehow it doesn't work so well. So <laughs> there is already a quick fix there. <laughs> so yeah. that is something that I realized that that uh, actually you, it's quite hard work to be angry or depressed. You really have to, to figure that out. Oh, I really need to be like that to be really depressed. And then, yeah, if you actually change your state, hey, have really that makes it really hard to be depressed. And now it's around. So, oh, but that's just something I'll throw in here because um, that helps me so well. And the reason I say that it is often enough, I ended up in the toilet doing that um, <laughs> at work, etc. So if someone ever sees me in the toilet and sees me doing weird things, 
It's better than ripping know. someone's head off. <laughs> but right now, I was, inter- I, was, I was disrupting here, interrupting here. It's just I love it, what you trigger in me, the, 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 the different ways of coping. I love to, to hear it. Please keep going. Tell us more. Well, I, I like the point um, that leads to the realization that if I repress something, then it will live to be expressed. But if I let it express without reacting, if I just watch it as though it's not uh, as though I'm not a puppet to it, as though it's has a life of its own. And it's just, I'm feeling it and feeling it and feeling until it, it dissolves. So, you know what I tell people when they're watching someone else who's very angry, mm. especially if it's a little kid, if some little kid is having a temper tantrum um, uh, for women, I say do Kegels uh, for what men. Kegels? Oh, Kegels, oh, well, you'll have to look that up. So, <laughs> I just don't feel like explaining that on <laughs> the show. And also, I know you know that. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. Oh, you don't? I don't. That was a truly, honestly, hand on heart, innocent honestly? comment. I don't know what okay. Kegels is. Okay, you look up, please. K-E-G-E-L-S. And not while we're on the show. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. And so, uh, or people can recite baseball stats or any kind of sports stats, or you can silently sing a few bars of your favorite song. The goal is just don't engage with that angry person. That's the goal because true power is peaceful and true peace is powerful. So if you don't engage, there's no hook. I know this is hard. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying once you do it, you get, you have a different addiction. The addiction is, wow, I want peace right now. (laughs) And also, you know, remember you know, you talked to Stefan about like doing the breathing. I, I really like heart math myself. I'm training to be a certified teacher of that. And it's a really, it, I love it, especially because they have uh, scientific data. You know, they put the probes on your head and they mm-hmm. figure out what your state is before and after mm-hmm. you do this exercise and really simple. Have you heard of heart math? No. That's Again, a really teach good me. So um, really simple. You breathe into the area of the heart like to the count of five or whatever is comfortable and let the breath swirl around in the area of the heart. And then you breathe out for about the same. Mm -hmm. And then you get the feeling of appreciation. So you think of something in your life you appreciate. And while you breathe, you hold that feeling of appreciation. Mm -hmm. This resets and and causes coherence in the human body. Mm -hmm. And they have science to prove it. I love them. Heartmath.com. Absolutely. That's heartmath.com. Yeah. And this and is absolutely, and that's logical, just from a doctor's point, not logical. This is an insight that we can gain from so many different ways of either meditation or breathing. It's typically the diaphragmatic breathing, the deep breaths where basically the air comes in and first fills in your tummy and it's like an empty vessel where you pour something in the air comes all the way down and then fills up everything else and that is the diaphragm pulling down now the diaphragm is is a dome of a muscle but through that dome is the parasympathetic nervous system a long nerve that goes through the dome and so this this nerve gets stretched and parasympathetic is the opposite to fight and flight, the opposite to anger, the opposite to rage. Therefore, 
to learn how to, to master your breathing is such a powerful, beautiful thing. And as with everything in the gym, etc., the first time you, you do it, you feel like a dick because you can barely lift that weight. And it hasn't even got weights on. It's just the, the stick that, uh, that's heavy. And you see other people with the 50 kilogram on and <laughs> um, <laughs> That's the first time around. But then after a few days of trying and maybe a bit trial and error, you figure out, okay, if I hold that weight like so, it's actually quite, quite easy. Oh, look how easy that goes. Same that's with breathing. That's a good point. Isn't it? You need to practice those breathing exercises and... <laughs> the mindfulness that goes with it. I think that's one of the most important points here is to practice. Mm. Like, and, and use blessing mistakes when you forget to practice. I, you know, I matter more than the mistake of, of not, you know. <laughs> like it. <laughs> yeah, of saying, you know, trying to regulate myself back to my nature. But, you know, yogis, I love what they say in the East. They say that uh, yogis like to say that you live longer if you breathe slower and deeper. I 100% um, so agree. I when I teach parents, I share that with them because they're not that interested when I tell them it'll de-stress you, but they're very interested when I say, well, you'll live longer. So they, they're more willing to use it then. But you know, there's another couple of breath exercises that I love to share. They're from Eckhart Tolle. He's a Canadian spiritual teacher. And he says, don't think from now to now. And extend the time where you're not thinking because interesting thing about thinking is notice like all negative thoughts or negative emotions, they don't care about us. Mm. So it's really good just to practice these kind of things. Another one that he teaches is if you focus fully on your breath, maybe you know this one, Stefan, I don't know, but I love it because if you focus fully on the in-breath, complete attention on the in-breath and complete attention on the out-breath, you cannot think. I find that fascinating and I wonder what the mechanism is. I don't care what it is because it uh, works, yeah. but really interesting to me about how the power of the breath. So I know what comes after the breath. So the moment I instigate such a deep breath, I know that my physiological state will change and therefore I'm actually looking forward to it. And it sounds stupid. Yeah. It's a bit like like you you know you drink that glass of alcohol, and you know within a short period of time there will be this warmth in the center of your body. Give me another glass of wine, and then my shoulders go. Oh. Yes. So there is this a very clear physiological response um, that you expect from a glass of wine. That's why you drink for crying out loud. Um, you want to escape your reality, so. How about you accepting the same thing for a breath? And you could say, come on, one breath as if this was to work. And in reality, when you are practicing, one breath is all that is needed to actually switch you off, maybe two. There are times, many times, where I can use that and reset myself. Yeah. And it is basically a habit that I uh, kind of a, a motorway between I'll take this breath and my brain saying, oh, okay, I know what he wants. Okay, we might as well do it because he keeps going on about it until we do it. So the brain says, we might as well do it now. Um, and so that is habit. And that is 
intentional micro meditation, if you want to call it like that. Um, yes. It is beautiful and it bloody well works. And if you're the first, if you honestly, if, if you guys are coming to this game new, you've never been exposed to it, please just take Brenda and my word for it. Um, it is a very powerful and beautiful, beautiful thing to learn. And it will be one of the, the first things you learn. And then, then from there on, there is no more stopping you because you figured out, well, that's so easy. I have to breathe anyhow. I might just change the way that I breathe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just the for crying out loud. Um, and with a bit of practice, you have get that skill. And then you think, well, that wasn't so, uh, so difficult. So are there other things that maybe I could learn that would assist me maybe better and serve me better than the way I've been doing things so far? Because, because the, let's be real here. The reason that you guys are watching this video or listening to this podcast is that your life is maybe not so great and that you wish it could be better. So, and I welcome you, therefore, because you are so outside of your comfort zone that you are ready to take action. And that's beautiful. So you're here, you have taken action already by listening to Brenda and me. So that's cool. So, you know, what's the next step? So no, fantastic. It's, it's, I love my life. Warts and all and 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 mistakes and all. Maybe because yeah. yeah. And I've made more than than you guys, honestly. Um, this is, <laughs> I'm a master in that. I'm an overachiever in that field. So and if I can get my shit together, then I think there's a very fair chance, regardless what your past has been. The past does not equal the future. And you can change that right now with Brenda's help, with Brenda's techniques. So that is amazing stuff. So, you know, that was, I think we've, we've only touched upon part two, didn't we? Yeah, now we're, I mean, I want to talk about being upset. Excellent, go. So one day uh, we had a uh, crisis in our family and I phoned my dad. I didn't want him to hear from someone else. And he said, you've got 15 minutes to be upset. And so I went on crying and blubbering. And, and then at five minutes, he said, you have five minutes left. And right then I stopped because I realized he was trying to teach me something. And from that day forward, I kept asking myself every time I got upset, if there was a good reason to be upset, to stay upset. Yeah. Because he said to me, you'll be no good to yourself or any other person if you stay upset. And it just yeah. really hit me deeply. So I made this <laughs> so for and you on the podcast uh brenda has just shown a big stop sign here uh to to show herself and say stop <laughs> yes yeah, so as soon as i get upset that's that's big stop sign is my reminder to just a minute i can self-regulate uh -huh. which i almost think sometimes is our job so Another way that I love to self-regulate, and I would invite your listeners to do this too, Stefan, is become a gratitude practitioner. That is towards everyone's well-being. And did you notice, I was really gobsmacked when I realized everything we do is towards what we want well-being. I call a friend, so I hope for well-being. I go to work, I hope for what it'll give me will be well-being. Everything is towards our well-being, but I don't think we really know what is well-being. Mm. And... And I realized if I had a magic wand and I could give my kids anything, what would I give them? And it was very clear to me that I would give them gratitude as a way of life because uh, to, to quote a man, 
Fred, I think his name is DeWitt Van Amber. Yeah, he said, gratitude is a currency that we can mint for ourselves and spend without fear of bankruptcy. You, you know, but the thing about that I love about gratitude is, you know, you can say thank you, but when you feel thank you, that's a whole different ballgame. You're rewiring your um, neurological pathways. So I remember reading about positive psychology once and it said it, it it really astounded me the benefits of just having gratitude. And that like I um one thing it grows your gray matter in the right inferior temporal gyrus right there. Mm-hmm. It grows your brain. So it makes those changes in your neural system to to feel happier. There's so many things that gratitude does that it's just a shame that we don't all start becoming gratitude practitioners it's a natural antidepressant even mm-hmm. as as i read it almost the same as medications and you can probably comment on that stefan 100 agreed um and again it is uh it took me a uh to 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 go to a friend's seminar she was just starting out as a as a coach and it was her first first workshop and i thought oh, i better turn up there because after all a lot of us stands alone there i didn't think that there would be many people and there were only maybe a dozen or so people there um but one of the big things that she started with was indeed the power of gratitude and she and i sort of took that away and since then i sort of dabbled a bit in it shall i say and out of the dabbling became more or less a habit because I often enough drive to work in the morning and I'm already overloaded by my own thoughts and stress and et cetera. Uh, and it takes me about seven minutes to get to work. Yes, Rotorua is fantastic. I don't live in a, in a town that takes me two hours. No, seven minutes, home, work. But seven minutes is enough for me to completely readjust my time or my, my perception, shall I say, perception yeah. of the world. And... What I'm I'm doing is in the car out loud so that my ears can hear it and my brain therefore gets a reinforcement. I'm happy and grateful that. Yes. And then I just see what comes out. And sometimes it takes a second or two for my brain to say, but I'm not happy and grateful. I'm pissed <laughs> off. And I say, no, 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 <laughs> just, just think for a moment. I'm happy and grateful. Okay, I'm happy and grateful. Well, that's actually a nice sunrise there. Oh, I'm happy and grateful that I actually can drive this car and that I can afford the petrol because I'm working hard. I'm happy and grateful that I actually had some breakfast because right now that's far for sure for many families in this world. I'm happy and grateful that there's no missile raining down on me and is killing my family whilst I'm trying to escape a war. I'm happy and grateful and so on. And my brain certainly just comes, 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 comes until I reach work. And when I reach work, then after five minutes, I'm a different man. That's for sure. Um, And I'm happy and grateful that has become actually a very powerful tool in my arsenal to change my state, to change me um, and set me up for a more grateful, but grateful then equals maybe serene, maybe tranquil, maybe calm, but focused and switched on because I've paid attention to the good things. So that makes me come to work and there's a smile on my face. And I greet everyone from the from the cleaner to the CEO with the same honest, hello, morning, uh, kind of a thing, which otherwise would have been 
some sound effects maybe if you're lucky <laughs> so yeah <laughs> and that's the well nice that's it yeah yeah it's it's emotional intelligence is what yeah. we achieve with simple these simple practices and i yeah. remember reading a study oh i'm probably going to get the numbers wrong but it was uh it was about um a sales team and with the sales team they divided them into two groups and with one group the lead gave them all gratitude for doing this job those people produced oh, 50% yeah. more yeah so there there's so many so many um benefits that we wouldn't think of like physically they say that it can physically help this study mm. uh you can actually feel experience healing effects just by mm. doing this and imagine the relationships when we're pleasant instead of crabby so <laughs> and how often and it, is it guys i mean listen listen to that gem there how often is it that you're coming home i want love i deserve to be loved why don't you love me <laughs> brenda please <laughs> so so what are ways uh, there's a really interesting study also about this it's a different study and it's it shows that if you watch someone else do an act of kindness your brain actually rewires better than you just feeling gratitude. And that's because we're social creatures. So besides the usual gratitude practices, I have to share one with you. I co-authored a book with just a beautiful man. His name is Gopi Nair, and he's a gratitude practitioner. And he says, that he says, when somebody calls me an idiot, I say, thank you very much. Because he says, I want to be the master of my reactions or responses not the slave to them oh i like i like i like a lot very powerful uh -huh. very powerful it's like wow can i empower myself here or are they is their state the state of the other human being going to drag me around and i'm going to feel like i'm being drugged behind a half ton truck oh beautiful beautiful the problem of course is it's you need to practice that you that is the the skill because it is our emotions are like reflexes uh, for many of us. There are certain core beliefs. Someone looks at you in the wrong way or says the wrong thing or says some innocent words in the wrong tone and you get triggered. And this emotion is there, whatever the emotion is, sadness, yeah. worthlessness, uh, whatever it is, it's there, back. And you need to be able to, to first of all, read yourself and accept that this is the emotion, that this is the core belief. And by the way, we may wish to work on that core belief. Um, and then secondly, okay, so here's the reflex. You want to change your state into, oh, I'm worthless. Or you say, well, actually, yeah, I'm not worthless. Um, because this morning in my gratitude, uh, I just figured out that, you know, all the, the good things that actually are happening to you, or maybe you have created. And suddenly you could say, well, hang on, there's a bit of this disconnect there. Am I worthless? Or am I yes. actually uh, a person who is who I really actually admire and love? Yes, I've done some bad things, but actually the sheer fact that I'm holding myself here. So there's a disconnect. So who do you want to believe? Which mask do you want to put on? And yeah, I know it is. This is this is a beautiful, beautiful thing. 
and it's it's weird and we are talking about it and it takes me a minute to explain that concept for you with a bit of practice it will be the fraction of a second it will be yes. faster than you can blink um and that will be powerful once you become that superhuman you know uh, x-men move aside you know you don't need to have any you are, you have bigger superpowers uh, than actually anything that hollywood can portray so i strongly believe that i'm still uh, I, i'm still working on it and so many a times i find myself not being so perfect and that's yes. okay i love mm -hmm. it you were referring to that that pity party those those five minutes, 10 minutes of actually experiencing the emotion and being a victim and being sad and why me, why me? And that's okay. That also has time. Sometimes you just need to, to spend a bit of time there. And I love it that that your dad gave you the kind of time frame. Okay. How many have got another five minutes? Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. And that that actually worked really well. I did it with my children thinking back at a very early stage. Uh, they wanted to swear, they wanted to use curse words. And my wife and I so did not want that. Then one day I said, look, I want you to stand on that chair, big and proud and tall. And you've got now one minute to tell me all the swear words that you know. Just say them all. <laughs> say them all right now, right here. And they thought I'm nuts. They looked at me and said one word. How is he responding? And I was laughing. And then they said, oh, and then the torrent came out of so stupid things. And it just, they didn't know any good swear words. So they made them <laughs> up. And it was just good. And we changed that whole thing from a, you don't say that, to, to celebrating words. Okay, the minute is over. Are you okay now? Okay, let's get on with the day. And it was beautiful. It worked so well. Um, so it is, it is us changing the way we perceive things and we we become no longer the victim but we 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 begin to thrive because we've learned that emotional uh maturity we've we've gained that insight and that is cool now that is a beautiful beautiful state to be um cool. how, how long i mean you were saying your journey started 20 years ago so let's go 15 years back um how did you go there? Did it? How long did it actually take you to gain that understanding and gain it to such a level that becomes instinctive, that the habit has been formed well and truly, so that you do no longer get caught out so often? Uh, identities die hard. They don't <laughs> die easy. Attachment doesn't dissolve easily. And we're all attached and identified. Actually, my next book is called You're Not Bad, You're Beautiful, Find That. And that dives into how does um, from age zero to seven, how is an identity formed? How do we become attached to it? What do we gain by staying attached to it? It's a false gain. And how it becomes a no exit loop with its opposite, for example, good and bad. So to answer the question, that book is a study in that. And for myself, I'm still working at it. I, I, but what I can say, Stefan, is yeah. my belly laugh is back. My uh, uh, joyful harmlessness is way more um, predominant than my angry bully. Um, oh, bullying. I want to share that. Do we have time? Oh, yes, please. So 
many people, they don't, especially addicts, don't recognize that they've, they're being bullied because it was normal for them. And we can never, ever use it as an excuse, only as a stepping stone. So first of all, a bully is the, the definition that I use is, is one who's, who gives repeated threats, their power plays with intent to cause harm. That's a bully. So if somebody's doing that to you, you're being bullied. And one of my specialties and the, the book that just came out a couple of weeks ago is Bully Proof Yourself and Your Kids. Oh, and awesome. But you use it anywhere. If, if you're being bullied at work, cyber bullied, uh, bullied at home, it doesn't matter. Even if you're bullied by your own child. Um, there's really interesting steps you can take. The first one is, this is just common logic. So, you know, a bully will often say something to you like, uh, you should never have been born. The very first thing you need to stop right then and say, is a bully in charge of who should be born? Of course not. And how you know it's that you should be here is because you are. So the first strategy is never, not ever, do you believe a bully because they do not have your well-being in mind they have the bullies aren't bad people bullies are people uh, with bad behaviors and they they can be corrected they're not always corrected but we can always correct our victimhood because you know the event happens but does that do we have to keep suffering it no we don't but we need to learn how to take the targets off our back so that a bully recognizes that uh, they can't get from us what they want and we can take our own power back. So again, each of the strategies in that book, I think there's about 50 of them, they, they show you how, oh, I like this one. They show you how to um, connect with your true inner strength and your true inner value. Mm-hmm. You're not valuable because of what you do or anything. You're valuable because you're a piece of life. You're a human being and you're here. So one of the strategies I really love, and I've used it myself many times, is, you know, the Superman stance or the Superwoman stance, or even the Haya, mm-hmm. you know that one, mm-hmm. the martial artist one. Well, Jackie Chan, he used to be bullied, and do you know him? Oh Shepard? yeah, oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So he, his experience was he would never speak up against a bully, and until he saw someone else being bullied and he spoke up for that person. And from that day on, he was able to speak up for himself. And, and that pretty much ended his bullying, uh, him being bullied, pardon me. But anyway, when I learned that about Jackie Chan, I thought, you know, this would be a really good strategy to go, Haya. why? Because you'd never do this in front of a bully because it'll make the bully more upset. But if you've had a bullying experience, you go home, you take the Superman stance or the Superwoman stance, you do the haya, and even try it right now if you're not driving. And feel what it feels like to put your hands on your hips, lift your back up, lift your chin up a little bit. Hmm. This tells you you are not powerless. Use it over and over and over again. It connects you with that part of you that isn't powerless, and you can draw on that. You know, another really thing about uh, important thing about being bullied. I just love this, Stefan. I realized that the bullying strategies were not working as they should. So I found a, a one study. It was called the Youth Research Project. And what was interesting about that was they said something like 46% of the time, when you say stop to a bully, it makes the bullying worse. Mm. 
So I realized at that point, we have to do the inner work on why there's a target on our back before the target will get off our back. Because bullies don't bully everybody. They, bullies and victims are both insecure. And so that's one of the cures for either the bully or the victim. But for our purposes, if we've been a victim, it's absolutely essential that we do these extra strategies. And one of them we don't like at all. It's called I am that. And that's what we do is, where am I the bully? Simply with eyes closed, I look everywhere I've ever been a bully and feel what that feels like. That dissolves it because it's not our nature to bully somebody. But you have to see it. Uh, feel it. it it takes the power out of it by letting it be felt all the way through so the, there's I know from working with this for so many years that um, during most upsets people can attach to victimhood hmm. and it's such such a shame because if I'm a victim I cannot blossom myself hmm. I'm stuck in uh, I have to see the world as an awful place in fact so those strategies, especially for us addicts, are really helpful to give us our power back, really. A peaceful power, I must say, too. So I have a whole lot of um, those kind of questions. One of them is, I'll just share one of those, and that is, uh, what am I giving the bully that I shouldn't? Mm. So it's from, coming from the unconscious mind. Mm. And when I asked myself this question, it was, I'm giving him um, power. So in other words, I'm acting submissive, letting him make the decisions, hmm. because I'm believing that if I give him the power and I act submissive, that he won't hurt me. Hmm. You know, and I, I learned this, a man threatened me once saying, I have a gun, you know, and he was spewing hatred at me. And I, um, I realized when I asked that question after that of myself, why was he targeting me? This is why. Because he could. Hmm. You see? And if, so you then, if you study martial arts and if you study self-defense, then there is very much a certain way that you walk through a dark alleyway that yes. attempts any robber, burglar, wrongdoer, nasty piece of work um, to focus on you. And there is another way of walking um, by, and you have not said a single word in both circumstances, but there's another way of handling yourself um, in out there that makes someone else want to shy away and say, no, I probably don't want to mess with that dude. Um, I'm still the same guy. And it depends on how I hold myself, how I, how I conduct myself, that maybe um, people will focus on you as a potential victim and that often enough is because you see yourself as a victim and then something happens and you get reinforced in that see i'm a victim why me why me why does that always happen to me well bullshit it doesn't but you focus on it behave like it and therefore it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy so no you're so right there wow this is that's that's a I call that book uh, my little book of peaceful power <sighs> because we become so peaceful when we dissolve those belief systems or attachments that we learned as a kid. Like, like I learned that one, give everyone else the power, let everyone else make the decision, stay right. submissive and I'll be safe. And yet, okay, fine. If it works, but it just doesn't, mm. <laughs> it just doesn't. So once we see that it just doesn't, 
then it starts to dissolve because it's not part of who we really are. Again, is we need to be in that in that dark spot. We need to experience it. And guys, if you're listening to that, don't don't now feel bad because your your body and your mind has been taking on such a victim role. For you, it was at that moment you decided this was the best way forward to protect yourself, to survive that situation. That is what had occurred then. And with hindsight, rightly or wrongly so, at that moment, you did the best you could. But that was then. The past does not equal the future. So we all have got the ability and the duty, you could say, to actually question our core beliefs and to actually rethink, is that really something that makes sense? Every time my wife rolls her eyes, I feel, oh, God, I'm a failure. And it's just, and she, and we often had this discussion and she says, look, I just roll my eyes. It doesn't mean a thing for me. That doesn't mean that I'm disgusted or upset, et cetera. It's just a habit. I roll my eyes. And for me, immediately it triggers me. So there is a simple example there where I, I could say, oh, she's bullying me. Oh, look, she is. And I, the way I interpret a, for her innocuous and, and just completely innocent thing, um, towards uh towards something really really negative for me well does that belief still serve me or is that belief something that was laid down when my mother disapproved of something uh, when i was four years old um and the so, trigger is there mm, absolutely the trigger is there because of that disapproval at age four mm. but it can't stay alive unless i'm constantly seeking approval and oh. feeling because it's a no exit loop. I can't seek approval without believing that I've been given disapproval and vice versa. That is the interesting part of the no exit loop of core beliefs. They always have an opposite in this dual world we live in. Mm. And we don't know they're there and we can't help ourselves until we can. But that's one of my very most interesting subjects, which I work on almost all day is what is the core belief behind this? And I mm. watch it fizzle and, and dissolve. And what's left? That's mm. the surprising thing to me. What was left was a joyfully harmless human being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Very, very true. Very true. And it is, isn't it amazing? We are talking about such fundamental things that actually drive our, our behavior. And it is intriguing because... As an example, some people completely dish a 12-step system. Um, to us, it doesn't work. All, all addicts relapse and no, no, it doesn't work. Um, in reality, what, what you're dealing with here, the core beliefs, that's part of step four, where you do a, a brutal inventory um, of what is going on. And you, you make these long lists of, of resentfulness, of anger, of where other people have hurt you. You write down, well, Joe, he looked at me bad, and that's how it made me feel. Mm. And then you take the next example, next example, next example. You write until your fingers bleed. And then your mentor or your psychologist or whoever works with you at some stage down the line say, hey, let's, let's pull that list back out and say, oh, okay, so this was there. Let's, let's take that example. Make a fourth column to it and add there, what was your role in it? 
how yeah. did you actually what was was happening with you there did you and, and, and suddenly when you actually take your own as part of the equation because after all it takes two to tango um so if you're suddenly being part of that and actually have to look at at your own responses feelings uh reactions that becomes a very different ball game and that's where the core beliefs come in that's where you can start working on that so there are different ways how to address, how to come to these core beliefs, but they are really at the center of everything that we do. And the yes. moment you actually start digging down there, now that's where the magic happens. That's and exactly. Pot of that. gold. Exactly. Exactly right. And, and that is where, where, for example, hypnosis uh, and self-hypnosis can be so powerful because these are techniques where basically go deep, deep down to those core beliefs and play yes. with them and turn them a bit on their head. And yeah. suddenly you are no longer a failure. You are powerful because you're constantly learning and growing. That's the same belief. You will still make mistakes, but yeah. you are learning and growing. You're not a failure. Yeah. Big difference. So yes. these are the kind of things. So if we actually work with these core beliefs, um, then we can address them. We know the emotions. I will always be a fat man. Well, yeah, I don't think so. Um, my new core mm -hmm. belief, how about there's nothing that can stop me to get into shape this year? Yeah. Hmm. Sounds better to me. I like more. Okay, so we have taken a core belief and turned it into something else, into a mantra. And we have learned how to affect our state. You're, you, you do the power, the, 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 the stands cool with me i take the mm, the hero the mm, or i say yes 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 the moment i do yes yes i know oh, fuck i've got goosebumps see I'm, I'm completely with two yes yes i'm changing my state i'm yes. changing my my the way i am and that's powerful because i've given myself permission i said okay i want to learn how to be in a different way so therefore, if I work on my core beliefs, if I work on my physiological state, mix it all together, shake it a little bit, shake and not stir, please. Um, and then suddenly you are, you are this new, new guy. Yeah. And that, that happens within what, 30 seconds, 10 seconds. And, and the more you practice that, the quicker that happens. And that's powerful. That's cool, cool, cool stuff. Yeah. Um, needless to say, life. I'm sure there's a pantheon of gods up there and they see us growing and they look at, hey, hey, look, Stefan, he's he has learned something new. Shall we challenge him? Shall we throw him some new new challenge? Because otherwise he doesn't <laughs> grow anymore. And they think, what can we do? What can we do? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. There you go, Stefan. Let's see how you handle that. <laughs> I'm sure that is happening every day. They're having a great time up there. Um, so constantly there's shit coming my way. Let that be COVID and insecurity. Will there be a job tomorrow? Will will I be alive tomorrow? Uh, will China invade New Zealand? Um, yeah, you, you can go anywhere with that. Um, and we do. And we do, isn't it? Exactly. We can focus very much on these kind of things. Um, it is uh, equally, we have the power though. Once we can focus there, we also can come back to actually what do i really want to do i want to love a belly love wouldn't that be nice and that's 
that's maybe where we can train ourselves to, to get back to that state. So you're saying you the know, bully proving 50 ways of, of dealing with, with a bully. Um, if you look at really hardcore environments, um, for example, soldiers uh, on a mission or being deployed in a really not nice place, you will find that the brotherhood of, uh, uh, of being together is one strength, but humor is often the brutal other thing. So you can so de, de not desensitize, that's the wrong word. You can diffuse a situation with well-placed yes. humor to a degree that, that actually confrontation might turn into a, a competition who can tell the, the better joke um, this instead of a fight, actually. So if you have got that skill, then that's good. So it's good. It's well worth practicing five good jokes. So on that note, but that's another, that's another story. So there are so many ways how we can change ourselves, Brenda. And you are, you have, you're starting to put these things together in books. So this journey started 20 years ago. How many books have you actually published? Um, three are published. Yeah. The Kid Code, Blessing yeah. Mistakes and Bully Proof Yourself and Your Kids. Yeah. And also um, Tusky's Travels is at the publisher. It's also in Hollywood being written for the screen. Ooh. And that's about 15 bedtime or anytime stories for uh, kids to learn to self-regulate or come back to their nature when a challenge arises nice. and then um yeah the other one that's at the publishers now is uh, grumpy to grateful grow your gray matter and then the next one that i'm still working on i'm so excited about that one stefan because that's the one that digs out you can look up in this book why uh why do i have a relationship with someone who is really messy why do i have a relationship with someone who hollers at me why do I have a relationship? So you can look it up that way and then it'll show you the opposite. It'll show you your belief systems and invite you to look deeper at your own and at your past. It'll show you the gain you think you're getting from this, honoring this belief system, because really that's the core of my work is dissolving belief systems. So anyway, that one's that? almost written. And you know what I really love is that I realized that an upset and an aha are both grace. The upset comes to me so I can dissolve it and go relax back into my joyfully yeah. harmless nature. I dissolve the belief system, in other words, the core belief, the attachment, the identification. And then what's left is what, what we're meant to be, creative, belly laughing, compassionate, inclusive, and so that's how I realized, wow, the, the upset is as much a blessing as the, the aha I get from it when I look at it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, Brenda, you're an amazing woman. Uh, you're an amazing woman. And we could do a, a complete uh, second interview, maybe actually go into the darker side of you, what has actually caused that. But mm -hmm. I, I, in, in this particular case, we were both getting immediately hooked on, on improving <laughs> and the, the fast track to actually feeling better. And that is so amazing. I, I love that. I'm on the same journey um, yes. because all the darkness, all the trauma, in, of my past it doesn't define me 
uh, it is it is something that has catalyzed a transformation. And yeah. and for that, I don't need to wallow in the in the darkness and in the in the gutter, um, but rather actually looking now. Um, I think it was Eckhart Tolle who said, well, we are all in the gutter. Some of us just choose to look up into the stars. And there you go. He is. Uh, that is exactly the attitude that I like to foster and that I like to to create uh, in my small circle. It's easy for me to do that as a leader at work. It's much harder for me to do that as a father and as as uh, within my family. So needless to say, there's some challenges there. But also needless to say is, uh, Brenda, your books, as soon as they come out, they will be on my Kindle and I will have a, a damn mm -hmm. good read because I've got a feeling that there's so much more I can learn. And I'm looking forward to that. A day where I don't learn and where I don't change. It's a sad day. It's a wasted day. So therefore, you made me change already this morning with some insights. And for that, I'm in turn, uh, incredibly grateful. Um, so thank you so much for coming on to my show and for changing me, for making me rethink my core beliefs and reinforcing that I'm actually on the right track. Also telling me that I still got a hell of a way to go. So that's all cool. So if people on the show really want to wanna find out more about you, where can they go? What can they do? Yeah, they can. I have so many free resources for people on my website mm -hmm. um, for educators. I work for free with educators. I just spoke to two teachers conferences here in Alberta, in Canada and uh, helping them get this work into the classroom. Yeah. And uh, so, as I said, I do that for free. And then the other thing that you can get on my website is, so if you're a teacher, you can go on and there's those, uh, there's a one hour class um, teaching you how to go from chaos to calmness in your classroom. And same for Bullyproof. And then if you're a parent, you can look up under parent resources. There's, uh, I think there's, I've got three or four handouts now for you there that you can look at. I have a free class for kids called Kids Take Back Your Life. Your parents yeah. needed mental intervention. And then we have, I think we have eight Kid Code teachers. We're trying to find more. So if you love this work, please, please contact me if you'd like to be a Kid Code teacher and spread this work around the world. Uh, so we also have, this is what I really love. You know, you, you have full permission to be a mess as a person. And accept this warm-hearted invitation to leave that pain behind. And that's what my work really is about. So if you'd like to find more about me and the teachers, or if you'd like to take a class in 10 minutes, because I know that people have no time, and they don't have strategies that work. And those are the two biggest problems, I thought, Stefan, as I started building this. So I, uh, in the time it takes to have a coffee break, you can learn one of these strategies. So nice. yeah, my, my website is the kid code dot ca because i'm canadian the kid code dot ca thank you so much for having me on i'm so delighted to have met you to share my work with you and to find another fellow human being who who really wants the best for all of us oh absolutely oh brenda you honored me thank you so much for being a guest on my show i actually can't wait to to keep keep following you and maybe collaborating with you and seeing where where you are going because that's the lovely thing the opposite to addiction is connection
So if we connect yes. with people yes. who are who are on the same journey, we reinforce ourselves, our 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 vision, our mission, and it's beautiful. And you are you are having you're becoming a true addict. You become addicted to <laughs> yeah. life. And that is yes. the best addiction ever. I'm proud to be an addict. <laughs> so, exactly. Brenda, <laughs> you're a gorgeous woman. Thank you so much again. And you guys out there, live with passion and look after yourself. Bye. Thank you. Dream.